This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati. And Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. And the Mile High Report radio podcast is back. We are back almost almost with as much of a vengeance as uh, Von Miller is, uh, because apparently Von Miller is uh, looking to kick someone's ass, and that someone is the Arizona Cardinals, because that's the next team they play, I guess. The sure. one in five Cardinals. Yeah, well, you know, like I said before we started, if you're going to threaten to beat somebody up, it should probably be somebody who you can beat up. Maybe the one in five Cardinals fit the bill there. And you now better go out and damn well beat the one in five Cardinals now that you've come out and said you're going to kick their ass. Yes. Uh, kind of an interesting statement from Von Miller, who um, I can I can almost verbatim tell you everything he's going to say in one of his press conferences about his opponent, because he pretty much just says how great his opponent is every week. Uh, you know, the best quarterback we've faced this year, uh, incredible wide receivers. They have one of the best defenses in the league. That's your standard Von Miller podium speak, right? And the crash Davis. Yes. The crash Davis. Yeah. You know, sometimes it rains. Think about that. So I suppose maybe this is, this is a good thing. Is there, is there some, something positive to take away from that sort of departure from the norm and now he's throwing up bulletin board material for the Arizona Cardinals I have to laugh when I say that because of how bad they actually are that's what it's come to where you have a hall of fame caliber football player coming out and saying these things not about the New England Patriots not about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Not about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just threw up in my mouth saying that. I'll bet you did. But the Arizona freaking Cardinals. I mean, you, That's sometimes you got to start small. You got to start small sometimes. You got to crawl before you walk. Re- reverse that. Um, don't actually reverse that. Uh, it, it was... I guess it was an interesting quote. Uh, you know, 
everybody wrote it up. Uh, it was a huge thing. I think my favorite part of the quote, if I'm uh, looking at this correctly, is he, he said, you know, I wouldn't say it's a must win, which I know you're going to have a problem with, um, but we're going to kick their ass though. And then he says, make sure you put that out there. As if the, the people covering his press conference were like, Hey, Vaughn, are you sure you want us to say that to the Cardinals? And he was like, yeah, you tell them. Of course they were going to put it out there. You didn't have to tell them to do that. It's their job. Of course they were going to do that. It's like, come on, get out of here with that. <laughs> it's just sort of a weird thing to include in there. You guys make sure you say uh, in your stories that you're about to write that I said this standing at a podium in front of all of you as I was getting ready to sp- – like, what What else were they going to do, Vaughn? Ignore you, not say it, not put it out there. Kind of a, a weird mandate to, to give to the reporters who were watching. If I'm being honest, it was just a weird quote in general. I mean, to lead it off by saying, I'm not going to say it's a must win, but we're going to kick their ass. That proves the old adage that when you add the word but, anything before it doesn't count. <laughs> That's true. Yada, 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 but... Mm, those yada yada yadas they didn't count it it was it's a weird quote it's a weird quote at a weird time against a weird opponent I mean it 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 would have been I I would have loved this better if it was before the Monday night game against the Chiefs or if it's prior to the game in Kansas City after this Thursday night game I just Something feels weird about it. It's weird. It really is weird. I I just, I want to like it. I want to like the emotion. I want to like the fire. I want to like the fact that Von Miller changed up his news conferences by saying something like this. But then you remember that it's the freaking Cardinals. A bad football team. A bad football team. And now you've put, I mean, in in my staff preview, which I do every Tuesday prior to the games that week, and it comes out on Wednesdays, I said, this is a do-or-die game. And that was before I knew what Von Miller said. Now it really is a do-or-die game. And it's a do-or-die game for both the Cardinals and the Broncos. And I'm always, I'm always reminded of this, of this line when it's a pillow fight. You get two bad teams together, you usually get a good game. Von Miller amped up all of it with this because now he's pissed off the Cardinals. Presumably, right? Unless they're not paying attention. And this team was fighting for the same things that the Broncos were. They want to save their head coach. They want to save their season. Well, whoa, wait a minute. Do they really want to save their head coach? Maybe the Cardinals do. I can't speak to that. I'm not a Cardinal fan, and I don't I don't follow them as closely as I do the Broncos. But I can't imagine hearing some of the things that Derek Wolf said uh, earlier this season and just the way that they looked on the field recently, that they're really concerned about saving their head coach, who, let's face it, needs to go. But is that really something they're concerned about, saving the head coach, saving Vance Joseph's job? Well, if you take what Von Miller said to be the truth – they're going to come out and they're going to kick their ass. I mean, this is this really is a do-or-die game. If the Broncos lose to the putrid Cardinals, season over, it. yeah, season that's over. That's it for Vance Joseph. I, well, I would hope so, right? I, I mean, at this point, we believe he should be fired anyway. But how can you how can you justify anything? You know, the, the short week isn't an, isn't an excuse because it's a short week for the Cardinals to, if they can't win this game, Vance Joseph has to go just based on principle alone. It's it's just time to move on. And, and so I think that that's, it's got to happen at that point. But it is, you're right, it's a, it's a weird quote. I almost imagine him uh, pulling a nuke Lelouch and, and grabbing the, the, the recorder from the reporter. Oh, that rhymed so bad, sorry. And, uh, you know, it's out there. It's, it's out there in a tubular way. Like I just, it's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, are we really, are we really doing this? Is this really where we've come to? And, and I guess it is obviously because he said it. And this feels a lot like 
the New York Jets game because you have all of the all of the Broncos, you have the coaches, the players, the fans saying this is a game the Broncos should win. What happened when they went on the road to New Jersey and played the Jets? The same thing that's happened the last 10 road games the Broncos have played with Vance Joseph as their head coach. They're 1 and 9 on the road. They can't win on the road on a normal week. Now they're going on the road for a short week. And you just put the bullseye squarely on you by saying you're going to kick your opponent's ass. Yeah, I I wonder, though, maybe because it's a short week, they won't have as much practice, and so they won't have a very good practice, and so they might might get a win with with that lack of practice. Or they're gonna they're, they're, they will have to avoid the football 101 on Friday because they play uh, on Thursday. Yeah, you won't won't have time for football 101, where they teach you um, how not to make decisions on a football field by showing game film from their own games. Clearly, Bill Musgrave has gone to the football 101 meetings with Vance Joseph because he's seen that the strength of his offense is to run the football. So he's going to continue to throw it. It makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. Hang on. It makes sense this season for what this Broncos team has become, uh, which is bad. Just, just the, the word you used was putrid. I liked it. It's, it's, let's use that more often. And before we get in, so this will lead into the keys of the game. But before we do, to mention that Bill Musgrave football 101 strength of your team running the football. So I'm going to throw it. If you go back the last three weeks, the Broncos have had 125 passes to 54 runs. They are passing the ball 70% of the time with a quarterback that currently ranks 27th in the NFL and passer rating. Think about that. That's backwards. Now, it's, with a team thing... with a team that right now offensively is tenth in rushing, but it's even higher than that when you take into account the average yards per carry. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, if you look at what the Vikings did last year, and we had this conversation in Slack, and you know Joe mahoney and joe rolls and, and scotty and those guys they, they get going on the stats and the numbers and things like that and they're better at that kind of stuff than i am but i definitely look at some of the things that they're saying the thing that the <laughs> the thing that the vikings did well last year with case keenum was play action pass and they ran the football they didn't they didn't really trust case keenum they they required the running game to be good and it was very good and they asked for Case Keenum to do some things in the passing game, but mostly off of play action. That's where he and found his most success. So you you take a player, and this this is this is the epidemic of this coaching staff. And I've been complaining about it ever since Vance Joseph showed up. And really, I complained about it even when Kubiak was the coach uh, after Manning left. They have these players on this team that do certain things, and rather than fit the scheme to the skill set of your players. You're trying to fit your players into your scheme. And I think that's backwards. And the most successful teams right now are teams that have players with specific skill sets that they accentuate. Patrick Mahomes is a perfect example of this, and I hate talking about him, but the Kansas City Chiefs have done something right, and I really hope nobody tweets at me about that. But they have. And they've taken this kid who has a certain... He's got certain abilities and strengths that definitely are his. And they have adapted their offense to that. The Denver Broncos, for the third year in a row now, have a a player who is the quarterback that they have not adapted their offense to the skill set of the quarterback. Why? What purpose is that? Good leaders put their players, put their people into a position to be successful and it's just like you've said, and just just like we're talking about now, you cannot put your players into a into a into a, a place where they can be successful if you refuse to recognize the talents that they have. And, and I'm sick of it. 
little tangent there. The simple answer is always the reason. Competence. How an NFL offensive coordinator can watch what his offense is doing and decide, yeah, I know it's what my offense does, but I'm going to do the complete opposite of it. And then you have a head coach who doesn't step in and say, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you doing this? And it's on the defense too. Oh yeah. Both sides of the football. Absolutely. I mean, the only aspect of the Broncos this season that hasn't been an absolute crap fest, a poop fest has been the special teams. And that makes me wonder if it's because Vance Joseph just just doesn't have anything to do with it. You think he doesn't know what special teams are? I think maybe that's the issue. Like when they go to kick the ball or or something, he's like, what's going on, you guys? What is this part of the game? I know nothing of this. Yeah, but they they had a good practice. Um, He hasn't said that recently, but still. Has he been fired yet? No, not not yet. I actually just looked at Twitter to see, and they're not going to fire him right before the game. They'll wait till the game's over. Um, you want to get a bold into, move? It would. It? That would be bold. That would be bold. We have a game in two days. The head coach is fired. What? Wait, what? Okay. That sounds like a George Steinbrenner move. It does. And you know what? George Steinbrenner would hire him when they flew down to Arizona to be the coach again. That's right. But it would have been. But and Steinbrenner won. And that's that's the other part of that that's important as a as an owner. Steinbrenner was a winner. So maybe take a page out of his book. So what are what are our keys to the game then? Because we've been talking a lot about the running game. We've been talking about uh, putting putting players in a position to be successful. What what is your key to the game? Some semblance of a run defense. I'm not asking for the Broncos to completely shut Arizona's running game down. I'm not saying to shut David Johnson down. Personally, I don't want them to because he's on my fantasy team. Oh, you're going to eat this week. But at this point, it's impossible and completely unrealistic to think that the the Denver defense can stop the Cardinals running game, even though the Cardinals are ranked 32nd in rushing. I still don't think that Denver is going to be able to shut this running game down. What I mean is, is the rush defense simply cannot allow another running back to rush for 200 yards. The defense can surrender 199, but do not allow the third straight back to get 200. But do, because David Johnson's <laughs> my also, fantasy running But back. also, do. you take 199 and a couple of touchdowns, you'd be happy with that. Absolutely. And that, and that leads me to a question. Yeah. Can the Broncos have any semblance of a run defense with what we've seen the last two weeks. And that's to remind you, Arizona is 32nd in overall offense, 32nd in rushing, 31st in passing, and 31st in points. But the caveat, Denver is 32nd in rush defense. So I go back to my yeah. question. No. Will we see any semblance of a rush defense from the Broncos? You know, I, I think that that actually leads me to my key to the game, which I mean, the obvious key to the game, you, you said it, but the key to the game is, is always the same, right? It has to be um, about running the ball and stopping the run and, and stopping the run in particular, like you've said, but none of that matters. So, so I guess short answer here for you is, is I don't think so. I don't see it, right? They haven't done anything on the field that would prove to me or to anybody else, not that they have to prove anything to me, but they haven't anyway, that they can stop the run. And in fact, what they've done is they've regressed every week. They've gotten worse and worse and worse. So I, no, the short answer is no, I don't see that happening. But none of it matters, right? And I'm going to kind of just look at what I what I put in my key to the game here. I'm just gonna gonna kind of paraphrase it as best I can. The point here is the key to the game is they have to have some pride 
in their play. And I, I will say that I do like Von Miller's quote in that respect. I think he shows some pride in his play, some pride in who he is as a professional to come out and say, pretty much, we've sucked for the last three weeks. We're, we're not going to suck anymore. We're going to kick their ass. Okay, uh, you're picking on the smallest guy in the, in, you know, in the playground. That's fine. Pick on somebody because this is getting sad. But have some pride in your play. Y- you have to decide, is the season over? Or are you going to continue to fight and try and get into the playoffs? I think that this week uh, is is the most important week of the season. Obviously, you know the next week is always the most important week. But if you look at the entire culmination of things, what happens this week against the Arizona Cardinals is a huge indicator of what this team is and who this team is. Short weeks do that, right? Short weeks show the character of a team because you don't have that full week of practice you don't have a full week of implementation. It's quick. You you get the game plan. You implement it as quickly as possible. You get you know, and you get going. And they're traveling. They're on the road. So to me, I don't see them being able to stop the run because I don't think that that you can change from Sunday to Thursday as much as they need to to be able to do that. Especially playing a team that has a guy like David Johnson on it. They should win this game. And I, for one, think that they will win this game, even though I'm telling you that I don't think that they're going to win this game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that all of the words that I'm saying to you would indicate that I don't think they can win this game. And I don't think they can win this game. But I think they're going to win this game because I think that there is some pride still left, at least on the defensive side of the football. I suppose we'll see. But that's sort of that's sort of where I'm at. The thing that sticks out to me is you have to have a coaching staff that wants to have its players in a position to have success. That wants to put them in a position to have success. That knows how they can have success. And I think... Joe Woods is closer to that than Bill Musgrave. I'm not saying that it's close by any stretch, but I think Joe Woods is closer than Bill Musgrave. Sure. And I think on defense, take the headset away from Vance Joseph. <laughs> there's too many, there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Let Joe Woods go back to calling the way he did on week two but also play on defense the way you did in week two. And Hmm. the Cardinals are just as bad as the Raiders. Oh, I I think they might even be a a, a little bit worse just because they have the rookie quarterback and not Derek Carr. Uh, And so, you know, Josh Rosen is still trying to figure out his eyeshadow setup. You know, he's, he's not quite sure how that should look. Whereas uh, Derek Carr's eyeshadow game is on point, and that's never a concern. So th- I think that's one thing that needs to happen is Vance Joseph just needs to let his coaches coach. I get that he's fighting for his job. I get that he wants to have a more direct role, but don't do it with the defense. Let Joe Woods do his thing and have trust that he's going to do it. That's what a coach does. That's what a head coach does. If you're going to mingle, mingle on the offense because that's clearly the aspect of this football team that has no idea what it's doing. And I swear to God, if Bill Musgrave comes out and says that he's not wild about the play calls again, seemingly forgetting that he's the one making them, yeah, I'm not but, real wild about the way I called that game. Oh, okay, <laughs> neither are we, Bill. <laughs> and you mentioned that the Broncos should win this game. The Broncos should absolutely win this game. But you said that before the New York Jets game. I was right then, too. It's not that I'm wrong. We've said that so many times over the last 10 road games. Yeah. And the Broncos are 1-9. and nine. Are we going to think that they're magically going to get it figured out? I mean, I get that the plane ride is only like an hour, hour and a half to Phoenix. Yeah, it's like 90 minutes, right? Yeah, it's a short plane ride. 
but they're still having to get on a plane. <laughs> you do have to travel. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I want to ask you a question because we've said this before and, and we've been talking a lot about coaching. And one of the things that is brought up about Vance Joseph all the time is that he's a player's coach. Now, I'm not 100% sure what that is. I don't right? know either because the players don't play for him. Right. And so, so that's the question I have here. If the experiment was, you know, Gary Kubiak wasn't much of a player's coach, so they were going to bring in a player's coach to make the players happy. How happy are the players in the locker room after a loss? Now, not I'm, not in the, I'm not in the locker room, but I, I see some of the interviews and whatnot, and I, I pay attention to it. And I would assume that they're not happy after a loss. So how happy can they be having a player's coach that continually leads them uh, down the wrong path? And, and I think that this game will be a good indicator of how they really feel about Vance Joseph. And, and, I, and I, I know I said that a minute ago, but I'm, I want to kind of go back to it. If they go out and win this game, if they go out and they, and they do exactly what Von Miller says they were going to do, and they put the smack down on the Arizona Cardinals, then that would prove to me a little bit that they have some pride in their own game, but that they also like their coach, that they want him to stick around, that they want to play hard for him. If not, if you thought last week having 9,000 people not show up at mile high was an, indi an indictment, how about an indictment from the players who can't get up for a game against a bad football team when their when they're Super Bowl MVP, best player on the team, came out and said, we're going to beat their, we're going to kick their ass, and they can't get up for that game? That would be a huge indictment of this team and, and of the head coach in particular. Whenever I hear the term players coach, I always think of girls or women who say he's a nice guy. You never hear that term thrown around around coaches who win. Was it ever said that Mike Shanahan was a players coach? Not even a little bit. Marty Schottenheimer. Did he Bill win Belichick? Anything? Bill Parcells. Sorry. Did Marty Schottenheimer win anything? Wait a he minute. won a lot of regular season games. Not as many against John Elway as he would have liked. But, yeah, okay. Sorry. Was Bill Walsh called a player's coach? Mike yeah, Holmgren? Bill Walsh was. But but not for – I think Bill Walsh was, but not for the same reasons, right? I think that one of the things that we get to – and you, you said it. He's a nice guy. Player's coach to me means that he doesn't worry about curfew. Right. He treats us like men. You know, we're grown adults. We don't need a curfew. We can, you know, we know how to be back in our hotels by midnight. So because we have a game at 11 o'clock or whatever, I, you know, I, I understand that aspect of it. But to me, players coach means you can't coach. It means you're the nice guy that women won't date. So you shouldn't be a head coach. That's what players coach means to me. Sure. I, I, and I agree with you. I think that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. I, I, I'm sort of – I'm saying you can be a player's coach and be successful. I think Bill Walsh was a player's coach. His players absolutely loved him, but they loved him because he loved them but had high expectations of his players. And he let them know that there would be consequences if they did not meet his expectations. If you weren't good enough to play, think about how good those 49ers teams in the 80s and, and, and early 90s were. That team that beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl, for example, might have been I the best team. I don't remember that game. I know you don't. I don't remember the game, but I remember that team, and it might have been the best team in NFL history. Sorry, 72 Dolphins and 85 Bears and whatnot, but that team was one of those teams that could score at will and had one of the best defenses in the league. And, and to me, they played the way they played because they loved their coach, but they loved their coach because he made sure they knew that he expected them to be excellent at every moment of every game. There was no, uh, well, we'll get them next time. And, and, and that's the problem I have with Vance Joseph. And that's the thing that you could see sort of going into this season uh, and continuing on through the season is they, they like Vance. They like him. They like Vance. But who's been held accountable for any of the mistakes that have taken place this season? Has anybody been benched? Connor McGovern. Okay, who last I checked was maybe the best guard on the offensive line because Ron Leary can't stay healthy. 
So <laughs> to me, the, the people who are being held accountable are the wrong people. It's almost like, well, he didn't like Connor McGovern, so he's going to hold him accountable. For what? Being the best pass blocker? Being the best run blocker? What, what are we doing here? That's it reminds huge, me. Yeah. It reminds me of last year when he refused to take Isaiah McKenzie off the field. Yes. No consequences. The thing, the thing about it is, is Bill Walsh isn't described as a player's coach. That's not the way he's described. He's described as a winning coach, as a Super Bowl winning coach, as all of those other coaches are, except maybe Marty Schottenheimer. But that's John Elway's fault. They're all wow. described as winning coaches. I would rather have a winning coach than a player-friendly coach. And as an athlete, I would rather have a winning coach than someone who's going to be my buddy. I don't want Buddy the Elf to be my head coach. Did you just did you just compare Vance Joseph to Buddy the Elf? That's an insult to Buddy the Elf. I'm just saying. I got it. <laughs> just don't insult Buddy the Elf. He didn't do anything to you. I plopped it out there and expected it to perform. Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't. I didn't like that comparison. Come on, poor buddy. He just loves Christmas and Santa. And sugar. And sugar. And maple syrup on his noodles, which is just weird. It still makes me gross. Yeah, that, that one gives me the... This, didn't, I didn't like that. Who are your players to watch except for Von Miller? Right, no Von Miller. Obviously, Von Miller is the player to watch. No Von Miller. Uh, Domita Pecco. On the defensive line, is is my is my player to watch on defense. We've been talking about the run game, the 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 whole interior defensive line. Adam Gotsis, Derek Wolf, Pecco, you name you name a guy on the on the interior defensive line. That's who you should be watching this week because you you might really need to pay attention to them because the, because David Johnson might run by them very quickly. So make sure you're looking. But that's who I'm I'm looking to watch because I want to see if they can actually make a tackle, or if David Johnson will just you know shed tackles left and right and get to that second level and make guys miss. That's that's terrifying in and of itself. Um, so that's that's my player to watch on defense, offense. I, I guess I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna go with Demaryius Thomas here. Demarius Thomas had a big catch uh, in the game last week, and he seems to be the guy who comes up with kind of that like one or two big plays here and there that sort of bails Case Keenum out a little bit at times. And I'm curious to see if Case Keenum throws to him more often. Now, I would like to see him not throw as much this week, right? I'd like to see Case Keenum only throw the ball maybe 20 times. <laughs> But but of those 20 times, I think seven or eight of those targets should go to Demarius Thomas. I'd like to see what they can do because I think Demarius Thomas's talents are being wasted right now. I think all of the receivers' talents are being wasted right now, um, but not because they're not throwing the ball enough, just because uh, Case Keenum can't throw a fade in the end zone. That, that, to me, is a pretty big indictment. So maybe Case Keenum's the guy to watch. I don't know. But I'm going to stick with Demarius Thomas here. And maybe partly because I do have him on my fantasy team, and I think I'm going to have to start him this week. Oof. Yeah, I'm not not a fan of it. If, so I have I have two players to watch on defense. All right. And it, it, it plays off of what you said about Domatop Echo and the interior defensive line. Do the Broncos have middle linebackers? Well, no, I just assumed they didn't. I haven't seen any recently. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis played for this team, but you know what I, they what they should have done they, maybe is I, drafted I a guy like Roquan Smith. Well, they did get Josie Jewell. That's true. Has he done anything? When he's been able to play, well, most important ability is availability. So my my players to watch are Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis. You talked about having some pride in what you do. These two guys have been absolutely terrible. Yep. Especially the last two weeks. When you get torched and you're the first defense in NFL history to give back-to-back 200-yard rushing games to running backs, that's not just the defensive line. 
That's on your crappy linebackers. Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis better step up or get the F out of the way and get off the field. I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine guys like Tom Jackson and Randy Gratishar sure. or Al Wilson or John Mobley, Glenn Cadrez. Oh, Glenn Cadrez. I like that. I like that one. That's a good one. Watching these two guys play middle linebacker, it's painful for me. I, I would and assume I there's a lot the of vomit in their mouth kind of moments. Throwing of things at the TV if they're watching on TV. Yeah, no, I at agree. At least attempt to tackle. At least attempt. Make it look like you care. Like try and wrap up. See if that works. Because they can't wrap up their bed. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Speaking of holding, <laughs> Garrett Holds, who is going to be going against Chandler Jones. Ooh. The Cardinals don't do a lot of things well at all. One of the things they do do well is pressure the quarterback. Chandler Jones against Garrett Holds. Are you kidding me? They better be having a tight end over there. They might as well put a sixth offensive lineman over there because if it's one-on-one, oy yeah, vey. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get rough. It's not going to be pretty at all. And I, I and that's one thing to watch in all of this is does Bill Musgrave, knowing that the Arizona Cardinals are able to pressure and get after the quarterback as well as they do, I think I, the last I looked, they were in the top five in sacks. Does Bill Musgrave play into that hand and throw it 50 times again? Probably. Or does he give Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay more than 15 carries? Because if he doesn't, Case Keenum might not be long for this game, and we will see what some want, and that's Chad Kelly coming into this game because Keenum won't be able to make it through if that's the case. Pun intended. Yeah, I, yeah, I caught it. <laughs> I caught it. Uh, you know, you, you ask an interesting question, and I think it – I just wonder, right? And so I'm. I, I was sort of as you're as you were talking, I, this sort of thought popped into my head. Bill Musgrave sees the same stat lines that we see every Maybe. week. Well, I, I would assume he is. I'm going to assume that he looks at them just to be, you know, to be fair. Does are we not giving him enough credit? Has has gameplay, you know, have has have the game situations dictated that they throw the football that much in recent weeks to the point where maybe we're just ignoring that? Or or do you really think that I, – I, I'm, I'm asking a serious question here. Are we missing the point a little bit? Has it been the flow of the game that has caused the Broncos to go away from the run? I My personal answer to that is probably no, but I'm just curious what you think of that. I think it goes back to what we've been railing on this coaching staff for a year and a half in that situational football. That's having a belief and sticking with it. That's having football 101. The strength of your offense is running the football. That's what this football team does well on the offensive side of the ball is running the rock. So you do whatever it takes to run the football. Even if the situation doesn't call for it, even if you don't think it matches up with what you think you know, you set that aside because it's what your offense does well. You run the football, and you run it again, and you run it again. And again. And again. And then one more time. But you don't run it on first down, which is seemingly what he does Every single time, and everyone in the stadium knows he's running it on first down. And to the credit of Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, they usually pick up a good chunk of yardage. The problem is he then decides he's going to throw it three straight times. And Keenum either gets sacked, throws it short of the sticks, or throws a pick. That does sound like uh, Trevor Simeon. I mean, Case Keenum. Oops. 
So I, I think it really does go back to situational football and being able to adapt and get out of your own comfort zone. And what what baffles me is I mentioned this on a, 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 on a recent podcast about how Bill Musgrave has said that he knows his football team is a power smash mouth football team. So why in God's name, when you look at the stats, is he deciding to call 125 passes to 54 runs? That is a bizarre smash mouth football team. Does he mean, maybe when he says smash mouth, he's thinking like they just enjoy listening to the band smash mouth. And so, you know, they that's just kind of what they do before a game to get hyped up. But what what he he's not talking about actual gameplay. Is that a possibility? I, at, at this point, everything has to be on the table. I would say that makes more sense than coming out and saying we're a smash mouth football team, uh, and but we're but we don't run the football. <laughs> That's essentially what they've done. I mean, I, I there are definitely moments to answer your to go back to your question. There are definitely moments where they've had to pass it, like at the end of the half. Sure, but. Even then, I don't think it was needed. I mean, I I talked about that moment that I thought proved the lack of situational football by Vance Joseph, and it was that third and three on the 39-yard line with less than a minute left in the second half or in the second quarter. And it, it's not just the fact that they decided to, to call a running play because they still had two timeouts in that moment too. Why don't you run the football? And when you look at the routes that were that were that uh, Sutton, DT, and E ran on that play, it's basically like they were just go routes. They didn't go up to the to the first down marker and do a slant or a stop and move. It was just three go routes. Yeah. What what was that? It it takes too long for that play to develop at that point, and then you get exactly what you got, which was a sack for a million yards and and no shot at even a field goal at that point. So, um, yeah, and, and in that situation, like you said, there's two timeouts there. So if you run the football, say you, you only get one yard there. Now instead of being on the 39, you're on the 30, or two yards maybe. You get two yards. I'll give you two instead of one. You get to the 37-yard line. 37, it's a 50, it ends up being what, a 54-yard field goal? Yeah, run Well within Brandon McManus's range, who has been kicking extremely well. And, he hasn't missed a kick. And you have the opportunity on fourth and one, if you're still not feeling it, go for it. Okay, go for it, and and then run the football because you still you have two timeouts. Then you could get the ball up, and you can you can maybe make a, a pass to the sideline or something after you get a first down. But they didn't even try. Uh, to me, you're right. That that is a huge indictment of of their inability to uh, recognize the situation. I, I'm sorry when when I'm able to see it, when you're able to see it, but people who are being paid. However much money they're being paid, I'm assuming Too the number is, is is in the seven figure range. Too to, much to do their job. I, I, you should know it better than I do. You just I, should. No but, debate. But they don't, and that and that right there is is what has really stuck in my craw all season. Stuck in my craw. What am I? 112 years old. Whew, I, I do want to ask you. Old speak, quick. <laughs> speaking of old. I think the Broncos are going to be wearing their color rush uniforms. Okay. With the how cool old school D. How would you feel about that being the logo again? Or do you like the the new horse? Um Okay, so I have I've had this conversation with numerous people. I know like for for me I I like the old school D. Um which is a fun sentence. Um I think the old man is a, is a fan of the old school helmets. You know, that that's kind of the, that's the era that I grew up with. You know, that's the uniform that I grew up with, that he grew up with. But I, I was having a conversation with, uh, with a buddy of mine, and he likes the new uniforms because those are the uniforms that the Broncos have won Super Bowls in. And, and that's kind of an interesting take on that. The Broncos never won a Super Bowl with that old school snot rocket horse you know what i'm saying the snot rocket horse with inside the d which is a, a cool logo it's the flag i have hanging outside my house right now 
that's my favorite logo, but they've never won a Super Bowl wearing it. So maybe, maybe they don't need to go back to it. If I had my preference, yeah, they'd go back. But maybe I'd be wrong. I don't know. And see, I, it, to me, the uniform you wear is not that big of a deal. It shouldn't matter. Because if the Broncos were in those old school uniforms, they would have won the Super Bowl. The Broncos could have been wearing those old vertical striped socks, oh, I the almost, brown and gold, and I they would have won a Super Bowl. I almost wish they were. Almost. Except for those are hideous. So I, I think... I think it would be what what makes the Broncos stand out is that logo. And you're still going to have the color scheme. It's not like they're going to go back to the powder blue. And I wish they would because I think this color scheme is too reminiscent of the Bears. Mm -hmm. I wish they would go back to the powder blue. I wish they would go back to the old school logo. They're not going to. So do a happy medium. Keep the current color scheme, but go back to the old school logo. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it's interesting to me because I feel like it's it's not even necessary for the franchise to go back to the old school logo because the uh, the fans keep it alive themselves. You know, I I have like I said, that's the flag that hangs outside my house. It's a, I have a hat that has that on there. I've got uh, you know I, I've got a, a nice mix of old you know the old school D and the new school Bronco that works for me. And I don't think it's necessary for the team to change the logo at all. I think that it's fine where it is, uh, especially if they're going to continue to, you know, wear that old school D with their color rush uniforms. They, they almost don't even have to make any change. We keep it alive more than anything else. We don't need the franchise to do it. We take care of it on our own. It's just an interesting debate because yeah. I know, especially with Broncos fans, uh, the older, the more seasoned fans, the old man. My mom. Sure. Old people. <laughs> us. <laughs> Definitely us. Definitely us. Like, I don't think Scotty would care, right? Oh, no. He's too young. I, he wasn't, I don't even think he was old was, enough to remember that logo. Wasn't even alive when they had that logo. <laughs> what are some of the games that you're. Oh. Looking Game, forward to games after around this the league. Thursday since we'll be able to watch it and not yeah, have to yeah, worry I, about the Broncos. I mean, I'll be able to watch whichever game I want. It's going to be amazing. Um, I, I'm going to stick with the AFC West just because I think, you know, that's kind of what we do. Uh, and the Chiefs are playing the Bengals. The Bengals are coming off a, 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 rough, uh, a rough loss to the Steelers, and they're going to be playing in Kansas City. And I think some people really think the Bengals – are one of the better teams in the AFC, and this would be an opportunity for them to prove that if they could slow down Patrick Mahomes and the and the Chiefs' offense and maybe put some points up on that terrible defense. It would be nice to see them come away with a win at Arrowhead. Uh, and the Chargers play the Titans at 9.30 in the morning Eastern time, so uh, if you want to get up in, in Colorado at 7.30 in the morning to watch the Chargers and Titans play in, in London – uh, or is that Mexico City? I can't remember. Who knows where they're going to be? I think it's London. I think it's London. It is. Um, go for it. You know, I mean, why not? Uh, I, I'll be up to watch it because I got Melvin Gordon going for me in my fantasy football team. So there's that. That That's kind of what I'm looking at in the AFC West because those are the only, <laughs> those are the only options, really. There, Outside of that, I don't know. What do you see in, on the schedule here that, that sort of jumps out at you? Two games. I think the Saints-Ravens mm -hmm. is an interesting matchup because it looks like the Ravens have their defense again, and that's always been what allows Joe Flacco to chuck and pray, and he has a receiver now in John Brown who's able to do it. So I, I think the Ravens, if they can get past the Saints, I think this, is, this has the potential to be a very good game. And then I'm looking at the Patriots and the Bears to see if Khalil Mack is going to be able to do what he's been doing against seemingly every other quarterback this season to do it against Tom Brady. Yeah. He, uh, he wasn't as successful against Brock Osweiler on Sunday. So there is that, um, which is interesting there. I saw a stat, someone put it in Slack where Brock Ice, Brock Osweiler's first win for the Broncos against the bears 
Brock Osweiler's first win for the Texans against the Bears. Brock Osweiler's first win for the Dolphins against the Bears. I think there's a trend there. Like you, if you're the Patriots, you almost are, are curious about maybe calling the Dolphins and asking if you could borrow Brock Osweiler for the week. Like every Bears opponent should be inquiring about how they can get Brock Osweiler on their team just for the week, just just for one week, just to see what happens. I'd be curious to see what, what goes on there. That's an interesting one. That's one I'll probably end up watching just because I'm in the Chicagoland area anyway. Um, the, the other one, there's, there's a few fantasy ones that might be fun to watch if you've got people going and you need points and stuff like that. Uh, you know, aside from the Bengals and Chiefs, which would be huge, Giants and Falcons, I think that's going to be a, a, a points game right there for sure. Just a lot of points are going to get put up. And then I think the other one that might be interesting, old school uh, kind of NFC West rivalry, the Rams and the 49ers. I will be curious to see if the Rams can do uh, what the Rams can do to that 49ers defense. That is not good. It won't be pretty. No. Well, it might be pretty if you uh, if you if own you're a Rams fan. some of the, you know, if you're a Rams fan or if you own some of the Rams players. I'm a Jared Goff owner in one league, so that'll be nice. And then the other one that I, I noticed that just sort of sticks out to me is Cowboys and Redskins. Well, that's an old school football game right, right there. Exactly. So that one to me is one that uh, I'd be curious to to watch just because I enjoy some of that old school football and 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 Rams 49ers is an old school rivalry that's fun to watch as well. So could be a fun weekend of football. I want to traverse back real quick because as I'm watching Tweet Deck, a Uh-oh. story from Mile High Report, and it's coming from our partnership with Orange and Blue 760 that we do we do weekly or daily stories on the First and Ten at Ten show with Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater. Right. Well, on on their show today, they had Benjamin Albright on, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read you a quote, and I want to get your thoughts. Okay. What are you doing? Coaching is designed to put your best players and your best aspects in the best position to win. And the Broncos are deliberately doing things they're not good at. What do you take from that and him specifically using the word deliberately? That makes it sound like it's on purpose. That that to me is an interesting statement. To say that they're deliberately doing it, I suppose, I don't know what else you could say about that. It does feel deliberate. It feels like we know, you and I know, and, and Albright knows, and, and Mace knows, and Atwater knows, and Ryan Edwards knows. These Everybody knows. If, if you watch everybody. the Broncos, everybody. everybody, you watch the Broncos, you know what they're good at. It's obvious what the Broncos are good at. The Broncos are good at running the football, and and they just choose not to run the football. So is it deliberate? Is Bill Musgrave, is he sabotaging the games? Is that is that the statement that Albright is making? It's I, not I don't just, think so. It's not just Albright. Tim Lynch leads up and says all the stats that we've thrown out earlier. Sure. He asks, at this point, is he just sandbagging? I'm starting to wonder. So it's not just Benjamin Albright who is who is recognizing this, who is seeing it, who is questioning it. And I don't want to get all tinfoil hat. No. I don't want to say that. But if you're if everyone else can see it and you're still not doing it. Is he purposefully doing it or is he just so utterly incompetent that he should not even be coaching peewee football, let alone as an offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos? You know, it's an interesting uh, statement. You know, the other I'll go another direction for you. I'll throw out another word here. And we've used this one in the past. Uh, and I think it is something that we talked about with Gary Kubiak that, um, that I think is is actually probably more the case. And it is the downfall of every coach, of every player, uh, of, of everyone who has ever been fired from a, a position in the NFL, and it's stubbornness. Uh, an unwillingness to change 
because you believe that you're right. And it's a, it's a double-edged sword because making the change is admitting you were wrong. And I think we're seeing it with John Elway a little bit right now as well. That inability to change, that inability to make a move, because if you do, you are admitting a, mis- a mistake. And nobody wants to admit that they got something wrong. Nobody likes to do that. And so rather than admit that you are wrong, you stubbornly continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and try and make it work, try and force it to work. Whereas the best coaches, the people who are the most successful, go the opposite direction. And and the person I'm going to point at here is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is stubborn. He's perhaps one of the most stubborn people in the NFL. But he's not stubborn about scheme. He's not stubborn about uh, you know making sure that everybody does things exactly the way he wants it. In fact, he has essentially relinquished control of the offense and the defense to other people most of the time. But what he has done is he has said, the only thing I care about is making sure that my players do their job and are in a position to succeed. Do your job. We'll put you in a position to succeed. If we tell you to do this, you do it right, we're going to win. That's where his stubbornness ends because he has adjusted that team. When Randy Moss was on the team and they could you know, beat guys deep, what did they do all the time? Tom Brady dropped back, throw the ball 75 yards down the field. I know it wasn't 75. And Randy Moss would run underneath it and they'd score a touchdown. And at that time, they were the highest scoring offense in the history of the NFL and uh, you know, record-setting touchdown passes, blah, 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 blah. After that, Randy Moss goes away. They don't do that anymore. It's short passes. It's a quick game. It's a, it's a change. It's a willingness to change. This stubbornness, the way that Bill Musgrave is doing it, the way that Gary Kubiak did it, is I'm unwilling to change because it would mean that I was wrong. That's what I think you're seeing from Bill Musgrave. I don't think he's deliberately sabotaging anything. I just think he's so stubborn that he's unwilling to recognize that he's made a mistake and he needs to change it. Isn't that in and of itself deliberate? So The fact that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing is a deliberate act. The fact that he won't change, right. that he is afraid of admitting that he, the way he thinks it, the way he sees it, the way he believes it, the way he thinks it needs to be done. He's so stubborn, he is deliberately sabotaging his football team and his offense because he doesn't want to do it a different way. That is a deliberate act. Sure. And I, I think it's a, a semantics argument at that point. When you when you use the word deliberate, people take it to the point of you're doing it on purpose because you want it to be you want it to have a negative effect. I don't think he's doing it because he wants it to have a negative effect. I think he's doing it because he believes in his mind that it will eventually be positive. It will eventually start to work. And what we know and what we have said many times before is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. That's the deliberate act that you're speaking of. So when you say the word deliberate, people go, oh, it's on purpose. He's doing it to sabotage the team. No, the the deliberate aspect of it is he's deliberately doing this because... He believes he's right, and he believes things are going to change. We know, having studied history, that anytime you continue to do the same thing over and over again, things don't change. You're just insane. And the thing of it is, is it might be a semantics thing, but his deliberate action is still sabotaging the football team. Absolutely. He's not deliberately sabotaging the football team, but his deliberate action is, is sabotaging the football team. It's hard to argue with that. I totally agree with Benjamin Albright because he is deliberately doing this. Yeah. I I mean, he's, he's right about that. It is a deliberate act to choose to not use Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, the weapons that they are in the way that they should be used. So there's, there's really no other way to say it. He is deliberately calling pass plays when he should be calling run plays. And do we think that's honestly going to change before Thursday? I don't think it's going to change until he's gone. 
So even though Von Miller said they're going to kick their ass. Hey, they might get into a fight in the parking lot. And and maybe at that point they can. I don't know. That's not uh, that's not my department. Um, we didn't do score predictions. Let's do some score predictions before we go. Because I got one. Shoot. I'm excited about it. I'm picking Denver. 24 to 13 Denver. Why not? Totally illogical, right? After everything that we've said tonight, I'm going Denver 24-13. Boom. You guys should see the look on Ian's face. It's fantastic. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see your face come (laughs) the next podcast. I might have to drink my way through that one. I'm going to go 23-18 Arizona. Oh, a lot of Brandon McManus. That's what you're predicting. Several field goals. I know how this works. I like it. I'll take the field goals. I like McManus. I hope he has a great game. Oh, wow. It's only it's week. a short week. <laughs> it's a short week, and it's only week seven. Feels like so much longer than oh, that. It is. It, it feels like a Thursday right now, and it just feels like it's week fifteen, and that we're just trying to get to the draft. And we're still in October. It's still, we haven't even hit Halloween, people. Oh, all right. Well, anything else? On to Thursday night football. Do or die. I hate Thursdays. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain or i don't know maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a major league baseball park check it out and if you like it tell a friend i'm spencer hall don't do anything smart